Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Angel Deer is a medicine man and offers his work on sacred land through shamanic healing, energy healing, sound healing, breath work, plant medicine, and workshops and events. The Sanctuary is a community for all those who seek healing transformation, ancient wisdom, and a place to come together to create a new way of living and relating. This is the Sanctuary Podcast, and this is Angel Deer. Okay, hi everyone. Um, I'm glad you're joining us again for this new podcast, and today uh, we are going to talk about death, which is a Heavy subjects in many ways, but all of us have been confronted with it uh, sometime from very early in our lives or maybe more recently. And uh, to talk about death, I have a dear friend with me, Laura Silverman. And Laura has this uh, beautiful blog, Gluten for Life, and she does foragings and she writes about food. And I really love what she does, so you should check out her blog. And I put that on the on the description of the of the podcast and on, on the email, so you can uh, you can have a look to it. So, hello, Laura. Thank you for coming. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> so I know it's not an easy subject, you know, and I got um, inspired by that. So I lost my grandfather in November, and I've been sitting with that subject for now three months, and I was like, I really need to talk about it. And then you posted something about death, and I was like, Hey, why don't we get together and talk about it? <laughs> I think it's a subject people need to talk about more. Yes, yes, definitely. It's so, you know, in our society in the West, we were talking a little bit before the podcast and we were really talking about how we're far away from it in many ways. And when we travel to India or in Eastern world, you know, death is so integrated into society. You know, we, we bring children to funerals, you know, we, we see bodies burning, you know, on the Ganges, you know, and, and all the family there. So... I want to talk first about what's your relation to it, you know, for you? What, what is your relationship with it? Did you fear it at some point in your life? Have you changed? You know, what's your relationship today with it? Well, um, one thing I want to mention is how much death comes to the fore in a different way, I think, when you're living in nature. Because, mm. you know, we live in a place where you're constantly seeing death and renewal happening in this cyclical manner through plants and the seasons, but also through, you know, the animals that are around you. Death is a very, it's very present when you're living in nature. Um, and I think, you know, I was writing about it a couple of weeks ago because there was a beautiful grouse that had come to live in our mm -hmm. um, our yard, this wild chicken that usually is very shy, but he was quite tame and he lived with us for several months and he was actually hit by a car in the road and it was um, somehow kind of disproportionately upsetting to me. I had grown really fond of him, but also I think there's a way in which when you've experienced death, all of the deaths that you have known come back to you every time you experience another death. Um, mm -hmm. There's a way in which they kind of link and and one reminds you of the other. So so my relationship to death it, it goes back to um, 
you know, the first big death, if you can call it that, I guess was my father died when I was 26 and he had cancer and I spent several months uh, living in my parents' home, helping to care for him as he died. And um, it was a very confusing time for me because I had left my life in New York thinking that I was going to go and help my father get well. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. um, he had kind of already decided that he was ready to die. He'd been through a lot of treatment and it wasn't working and he was resigned to dying. And so we had this little bit of a clash of wills and ultimately I had to come to grips with the idea that his death was up to him. Um, And that was deeply affecting. I'm sure it was. And really it makes me think about, we're not really preparing for death in many ways in our society. So when death comes around, uh, you know, through sickness, especially cancer and things like that, we're really trying everything to make the life continue. You know, we're really not allowing even elderly people that maybe don't have cancer, you know, and maybe have some just failing organs. We're trying to keep them around as long as possible. And to me, it's really connected to fact that we are not prepared and we're, we're not okay with it. And so that preparation in traditional societies or, you know, in native Indians, for example, traditions or in the Eastern world is much more present. Because you're facing it, you you know that the eat, the meat you're eating, for example, you've seen the animal died, so you have that connection just by your food. Mm-hmm. You're probably closer to nature, as you mentioned, where you see the cycles. I mean, right now it's the winter here, and it looks very dead around, but, mm-hmm. you know, we have some evergreens, and we <laughs> still have some animals, and so we can still see life, but it, it looks a little bit more dead in many ways. So we come to fear death in many ways, because any things we don't know, we fear it. Totally. And I think the idea of fighting it, you know, with no thought for what what might it look like to be more accepting of death or more ready for death. Um, you know, we don't even have an opportunity to explore that. No, we don't. That's true. We don't have any. I was trying to think as I was preparing the, the podcast, you know, what do we do in the Western world? For example, in France, where I'm from, you know, do, is there anything that I ever teach at school about it? at university that my parents really taught me like there's nothing i mean it's quite interesting that you know it's such a big thing because we're all going to face it at some point uh and we're all dying every day a little bit huh? because we're going on that way you know my teacher used to say you know by the moment you come out and you take your first breath you're dying death is coming towards you that's already right. that's right uh, but somehow it's something we don't want to think about until we have to face it through the death of people that we love dearly around us also our own death. So how do we prepare really? I mean, what do you do anything? I mean, do you practice around that or? I, th- I think all of life is a preparation for death. And if we're truly mindful, it can be a beautiful thing because I think my goal is to die without regrets. And so that means living in a very particular way. Um, and and I do prepare for death. Um, I think about it, and I think about it in relationship to my life. And I don't know if this might sound weird to people, but I'm ready to go at any moment. No, I don't think it's weird. I think, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> and it reminds me, you know, there was this study, and I think maybe people are listening. I've, I've read it before, and you can go online and look for it. But there was a study done 
towards the dying people in hospital and they ask them questions on what, what are their regrets, you know, what are the things they want to yes. talk, talk about? And if you remember that yes. study, it was, it went around, it, it is really tapping into what you just mentioned. You know, they said that they are regretting that they have not lived exactly the life they well, wanted. Well, nobody regretted not going to the office enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or not having enough money. Or right. not seeing the last movie or right. not doing all those things, you know, shopping or not buying the last, you know, car or anything. He was really connected to the people that we love. Yep. So one of the regrets is not spending enough time with them. Mm -hmm. The other one is the one you mentioned, which is not having done exactly what they wanted to do. Yeah. So not having taken that risk yeah. to do and have waited a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. So that's the preparation. And in fact, the beauty, I think, of that preparation for this uh, is making us more alive. It's really about being way more alive, you yes. know, being awakened, being in life, being you know aware of what's going on. So there's something very powerful in preparing it. I uh, watched the HBO documentary about the life of George Harrison. And, um, you know, he was very spiritual and obviously studied uh, Eastern philosophies. And I think he probably thought a lot about death during his life. But um, towards the end of this, I think it was a two-part film, I was really struck and inspired by something his wife said, which was that on his deathbed, he lit up the whole room. She said it was a dark room, but as he passed, the room was illuminated um, um, in this really brilliant way. And I have carried that image with me. It really inspired me to think about how I want to feel at the moment of my death. And of course, I guess we can't all choose the moment of our death or the way in which it will happen, obviously. But I think there's something to be said for being prepared for it to understand that it's, uh, uh, even if you don't have any religion or anything like that, cause I, I'm pretty much an atheist, but I do believe that death is a passing into something. Um, and it's something that feels blissful and loving. Yes. It's beautiful. And the natives, you know, native Indians, you know, say that there is no death. There's only a change of world. We're just changing into another world. And, and it's, yeah, it might be difficult, you know, if we don't believe in anything uh, to see it that way. But there is something powerful there. So we're coming closer to death. Let's say we, we prepare it and then, and then death happens. I want to talk a little bit about uh, how do we prepare for it, about what religious scriptures and, and I would say some religious practices I've said out there. You know, there's a little bit of that conditional behavior that we need to have to make sure that once we pass, you know, we're not burning in hell or we're, right. we, are, we are going to the right place and etc. Uh, which is not exactly what the scriptures are saying. It's more being interpreted that we say the messiahs. Maybe that's not exactly what they say because they talk more about love than, than hell uh, out there. Uh, but really, there is none of that in native traditions all around the world. You know, not only in America, you know, South America, you know, uh, ancient paganism in, in Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, Russia, where all the shamans are. Right. I uh, mean, so maybe part of the fear of death that we have in Western culture is because of this fear of judgment at that moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be judged for your sins. So if you don't have to worry about that, if you're not reflecting back on your life with horror at all the things that you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. 
You're listening to The Sanctuary Podcast with Angel Deer. While you're listening, browse the website at www.thesanctuaryheal.com. That's beautiful. So that judgment, we are afraid from God, is in fact self-judgment, because that's what people come to realize on their deathbed, really. Yeah. That's a beautiful image. I really like it. I really like it. And uh, it makes me think of the Egyptians, you know, that kind of weight your your heart and seeing all the good and bad things you've done and, and say a little bit, okay, are you going to be able to transit? Though they were very aware of that and making sure in their life, you know, they were doing good things just to make sure they could continue transi- transitioning right. into their next life and into the the right place. And once we're dead, so what happened? What do you think happened? Where are we? I mean, I'm kind of a Taoist, so I mean, I believe in nature and I think that, you know, all matter doesn't disappear. So I think our energy just goes back into the cosmos and I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think nobody knows. I'm not (laughs) pretending I have an answer. And there is this, you know, I I like to, there's a couple of, I think, hints we have. There's the people that have near-death experience of people that have been dead for maybe a minute or five minutes, 10 minutes sometime and come back. And what strikes me, and there's a beautiful study from, um, a professor from Harvard University that passed away a few years ago that dedicated all his life studying near-death experience. And what struck him is that every person on this planet, whatever their culture and their background, whatever their environment, the type of place they're living, their religion, all describe the same thing. And so he was really interested into that. And also many people came back with informations or visions of things that they could not know. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, examples I have in mind is that guy that was in surgery and he uh, went into a, a death, so his heart stopped, uh, his brain stopped completely, and they tried to reanimate him, and I think he went for seven or eight minutes, which he was clinically dead for seven or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Clearly no brain function that were you know that we could not see. And he described that he went out of the room, he went through the wall, uh, into the next surgery room, so there was another surgery then, and then he went back into, he went into the walkway, and then he was called by the light, and he was called back into, uh, into his body, so he was like, okay, I'm going to, uh, to come back. So he was like, coming back under his table, surgery room, and from under the table, he went back inside his body. Hmm. So then he woke up and he was, uh, you know, talking to the surgeon and he described to him what happened. And the surgeon, you know, you know, really uh, um, agree with him and say, well, this is not possible. The problem is that he described perfectly what was going on in the other surgery room. (laughs) He described the woman that was on the table. He described how many people were there. And he described something so specific that under the table of surgery was, there was a brand of that table, which he could not have known. And he said, oh, there was these stickers on there with a the brand and there's a numbers next to it, which I think the whatever the reference number of the table. So even in death, you're super observant of brands. So somehow, <laughs> yes, he could see all that and describe that. And there was no, I mean, it's one of the cases that this professor studies says there was no possibility that without getting out of his body in some form of awareness that he could have witnessed that. You know, and there is many other, you know, description of things like that. So to me, I think they are interesting about, uh, you know, what happened. 
And I just want to talk about uh, the experience of my death. So my grandfather that passed away in, in November as I was in the church and he was, you know, dead for now a uh, few days, four or five days. Um, and I was praying there and I was sitting in church and I saw Mother Mary, which is funny. You know, I'm not born and raised Christian. I've never prayed to Mother Mary, really. And I saw Mother Mary up above the altar behind the, the priest with big arms open. And I saw my grandfather walking towards her. And she was smiling and beautiful and he was looking younger and he was looking back at her smiling and she was telling me, that's what I heard, that she's welcoming him because he lost his mother when he was very little. And, you know, he had, he had three, three daughters, so one of them is my mother. And so she was the one sent to welcome him and he was going to be okay, he was going to be taken care of. And there was all those women behind and I think his mother was there. So was this like a vision that you had in your, it revealed itself to your mind or did you actually see it in the church? Well, I saw it. I saw her like that with arms open and I saw exactly how she was dressed. She has a lot of lights around her. Wow. You know, I saw him. Uh, he was telling me it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, it could go. So that's what, that's my experience with it. I would say that's my only experience where I experienced something very mystic. And then for days and weeks after that, I felt his presence around me. And in many ways, you know, I was holding my grandmother for a while and I could feel him, you know, almost in my body, wanting to touch her, you know, using the physicality of my presence to be close to her. Hmm. And my grandmother would start crying when I feel that without me saying anything. Wow. She would just start crying very, very deeply. So there is something for me, and I really believe, you know, we, we, we come back and we are in the, in those forms, but definitely there is a great mystery and a great, great question. That's very on that. lucky. I mean, I, I wonder how much of it has to do with how open and receptive you are because, um, I was married to somebody who died of cancer and, um, he was sick for quite a while. He died in the hospital and he actually waited for me to leave the hospital until he finally died. And I was actually going to the funeral home to make arrangements for his cremation when he died. And my friend that was there called me and I turned around and came back very quickly. He was still warm when I came back and I went to embrace his body. But strangely, I just had a immediate sense that he wasn't there. And when I went to speak to him, I found myself looking up at the ceiling and speaking up to the ceiling. I just instinctively felt that he was above us, you know, already. So you're the only atheist that I know that speaks to the <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> yeah, well, I... But you felt it. This is other thing. Yes. We, we somehow know, we somehow have that connection, whatever our belief system, whatever we learn. You for know? sure. But for, for months and months afterwards, I desperately wanted some sort of sign. And mm. I, you know, quote unquote, prayed for a sign from him. And I wanted to somehow see him or, but no, I didn't get that. And it was a little disappointing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we don't know, I guess, you know, sometimes maybe they go quickly, you know, they transition quickly. Yeah. And they're just dawn here. I don't know. Right. But uh, I do still call on his presence, you know, and I ask for his protection and guidance. You know, I, he lives on in me. You know. Yes. 
for sure. Yeah, we always say we only die when the truly die when the last person that I've known us is is passed. Right. You know, we're still alive in people's heart. That's very beautiful. I want to talk a little bit about something before we, we kind of end the podcast about this native Indian tradition, uh, which is that ceremony that is done when someone has passed. And uh, the way they describe uh, death, they say death is that person that comes inside your house with a big stick. And death takes that big stick and smashes the fire that's burning in the middle of the house. And as the fire is smashed, ashes fly all around and goes inside everybody's eyes and ears and lungs and on your face and you're breathing it. And because of that, ashes that goes in your eyes, you start crying and you can't stop crying because you have those ashes in your eyes. Because of the ashes going inside your ears, when people talk to you, you know, you're a bit numb, you're not hearing people anymore. You know, they talk to you, but it kind of goes through, you know, and just really hearing them. Because it's in your eyes, you don't see the beauty of the world anymore. You know, sunset, maybe you're not interested by it. Because it goes in your nose and in your mouth and in your stomach, you don't taste the food anymore. You know, things lost their taste, you lose the appetite. Maybe you're probably sick and you don't want to eat anything. Mm. And so they do that beautiful ceremony where they go around everyone of the family members and with beautiful feather and soft cloth, they clean your hair, they clean your eyes, your ears, your nose, and your stomach. And I thought it was a beautiful way to, you know, allow people to, you know, see the symptoms, see what they are, why they are here. It's a beautiful imagery. And then they turn towards uh, the sunset, where the death are and the death goes, and they ask the whole family to stop crying and to let the dead people go the way because they say if you're too sad, they're going to want to hang hang out around hmm. you. They're not going to want to go away because they're still, you know, in between. And so I thought it was a very beautiful tradition, you know, and uh, the grieving tradition, we don't have it anymore. You know, we don't really have much of people going around and we know they lost someone unless we know them and we've read on their Facebook you know, we don't really know that anymore. Right. So, I think I think it would be really helpful for us if we did have some some rituals, both to prepare for death and to to grieve and mourn people that have passed, so that we would have a process to go through. Yeah, that's very true. So I invite people. I think you know, as we as we're finishing, you know, is ready to. Think about the preparation and you mentioned some beautiful things to do about, you know, being very alive and look for that interview of dying people and what they say. So take that as, okay, I don't want to think of that the day I'm dying, but prepare it for it. Uh, look in ancient tradition, native traditions, what we can do to hold space for people that are passing. And look also, you know, in, in a lot of those philosophies, what is done when someone is gone to grieve in the right way to help support people either around you or, you know, even in yourself when you, if you experience death. I can tell you that, I mean, my grandfather passed away three months ago now, and I'm, I'm in that state of joy despite that great pain and loss that I experienced somehow because I did a lot of practices around that and really trying to connect and to understand what death is about. I just see that as a transition. And in my head, I always smile and I look in the sky and say, well, until we meet again. That's wonderful. That's so uplifting. And I think it's a great model for people to 
reach out and embrace death as part of life and instead of being afraid of it. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you, Laura, for coming. Thank you for talking about that subject that might seem very heavy sometimes, but in fact, I think there's a, so much teaching and so much wisdom in inside uh, exploring death. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I invite you to look at our other podcasts, to go also on YouTube videos and to look on the blog because we have uh, also information around that and I'll be writing a little blog that goes with that podcast if you're interested to go look at it. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. You've been listening to The Sanctuary Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're a source of talks about spirituality, personal transformation, energy healing, shamanism, and earth-based practices. For more, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. On the website, you can find out about our events, our retreats, healing offering, our spiritual blog, and you can also register for the newsletter. Again, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. Till next time, this is The Sanctuary Podcast, and Angel Deer signing off.